Air now has two premier cannabis dispensaries in the greater Boston area. Airback Bay is conveniently located in the heart of Boston at 827 Boylston Street across from the Prudential Center, serving adult-use customers. Or check out Air Watertown, located near Watertown Square at 48 North Beacon Street, serving medical patients and adult-use customers. Our team is eager to help you choose from a wide assortment of premium cannabis products. Join us in the air, spelled A-Y-R, in Back Bay, Watertown, or online. Please consume responsibly. This product may cause impairment and may be habit-forming. There may be health risks associated with consumption of this product. This product has not been analyzed or approved by the Food and Drug Administration. There is limited information on the side effects of using this product, and there may be associated health risks. Marijuana use during pregnancy and breastfeeding may pose potential harms. It is against the law to drive or operate machinery when under the influence of this product. Keep this product away from children. There may be health risks associated with the consumption of this product. Marijuana can impair concentration, coordination, and judgment. The impairment effects of edible marijuana may be delayed by two hours or more. In case of accidental ingestion, contact Poison Control Hotline at 1-800-222-1222 or 911. This product may be illegal outside of Massachusetts. Massachusetts State License Number MR283946, MR283886, Watertown Medical License Number RMD325. To me, the whole thing with the finger under between the legs, antiquated, archaic. Oh, it is. I mean, the whole thing is freaking silly. Felger and Mass, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook on 98.5, the Sports Hub. Jones in the gun takes the snap of four-man rush. Mack moves up, moves up, moves up. He pumps, he throws a deep ball down the right side. He's got Thornton behind the defense, and the ball is knocked loose. The ball hung up there and able to recover for Cincinnati. Cam Taylor Britt. There is a flag, however... And the officials will conference back near the line of scrimmage. Holding. Ineligible man downfield. Offense. That penalty is declined. The result of the play. First down, Cincinnati. How do you get we an can't even execute man downfield on a fourth and fifteen? We can't even execute a Hail Mary fourth and fifteen. Nine seconds to go here at Gillette. And the Bengals are going to have their first win over the Patriots. In Foxborough since 1986. Cincinnati of 2022 will win a seventh straight. The Patriots will drop to seven and eight as Joe Burrow takes the snap and drops to Benin. The Bengals had a chance to put this game to bed early. The Patriots had an opportunity to take it away late. And eventually Cincinnati holds on to win it by the 22-18 score. All right, welcome in Felger and Maz. No Felger, no Maz, no Big Jim. It's Tim McCone and Jimmy Stewart in the Maz chair. How are we doing, Jimmy? Good, you? Good, good. And it is a big boy Tuesday, and we're lucky enough to have Greg Bedard in studio with us. Uh, Bedard, how are we doing? Good. Uh, Quite the I- uh, ensemble we got here today. Yeah, this is, you said the Sorry, A-team Greg, walking in. This is like the, uh, yeah, the 2022 Patriots A-team. Mayor. So there's a sliding scale <laughs> yeah, for sure is... when it comes to it. Uh, let me ask you this question before we dive into the film. What's it been like going through some of these games and having to watch the film of like the Colts and the Jets game and things like that? that that's tough sledding, man. It, it's interesting that you say that because I just uh, taped my podcast with Nick Cattles before this. And uh, let's just say I had like an extended 10 minute like freak out. Just, I'm just, I'm t- I'm tired of watching this team. I'm tired of watching this offense on film. I I, I really am, and I can't even imagine. And I'm just some jackass at my computer watching this. Right. It's not like I I'm actually invested in it. Like my career <laughs> is or my line. earnings. Yeah. You know, like yeah. Mac Jones or yeah. Kendrick Bourne or Jacoby Myers or David Andrews. Like this is just it's. 
It's just pathetic. It really is. I mean, it's just, it's the same thing every week. It seems to get worse every week. And, and you know, I really hope and, and I believe that Patriots fans on the whole are smarter than to get sucked in and say, well, we had a chance to win that game. No, you didn't. Full like, gold. Yeah, like no chance. The planets had to align like six different planets for them to get into a position to possibly win this game. And of course they they blew it. Just cuz that's who they are now. They used to be the team that pulled out every single game. Right. That they were the team that you're like how they win that game. They just found a way to win. They just find a way to win. This team now just finds a way to lose in in a different way seemingly every week. And it's just I I just find it hilarious and you know, part of me is crying, and I want this season to end as soon as possible because I'm tired of watching this offense, and I just want to get on to next season and and what hopefully how they improve it. Hopefully, um, but part of me like really just wants the Patriots. I I want them to win out because you know oh. now now listen oh. listen not, only for this reason because there's a chance, good chance that two is not going to play this week. Yeah, that means Teddy Bridgewater play the Dolphins. Say the Patriots win that game. Okay. What if the Bills don't need the the season finale and it's who the hell is the backup there now? I don't Case even Keenum, know. Case Keenum, right? I think you're right. And the Patriots win that game against Case Keenum. That means the 2022 New England Patriots could qualify for the NFL postseason, beating one starting quarterback all year, and that guy would be Jared Goff. <laughs> that would just be apropos of where this whole operation is at this point. And if you're, you know, delusional and think this team, this is, this is not a good team. It's not, it's not, they, they, they are a, they are at best a decidedly average team. They showed on defense in this game and that they cannot compete with against a good quarterback, a decent scheme and good weapons. It's just, it was the same. It was the same game plan as against the bills. It's just like, Please don't hurt us. Don't make too many big plays. We don't want to get blown out. That was the game plan on defense. It didn't change in the second half. That's not what changed in the second half. If you believe that, you're delusional. And so they they, they just don't want to get blown out on defense. And on offense, they run into each other. I mean, I think Troy Brown said today, like, oh, you know, he was asked about the route spacing and things like that. And, and he doesn't coach the tight ends, but, you know, but I, I, he said something along the lines of, I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. It's not a major problem. You just wiped out $25 million worth of right. tight ends yeah. John in like Smith a quarter. into Troy Polamalu on the first third down, and then he got knocked out of the game later. Yeah, 100%. I mean, holy cow. Like, get the season over with, please. All right, 617-779-0985. Lots to get to when it comes to just your overall thoughts, but you hit on something there that I want to ask you about. So the calling card for the Patriots, uh, you know, really send, uh, you know, outside of 2019 to present day was always that they're playing their best football come December. <laughs> now, I know, look, it's a low bar this year, no question about it, but you have not seen improvement on either side of the ball. You didn't see anything to take away from the Bengals that made you feel like, hey, you know what, this thing might be trending in the right direction or they might have figured something out. Um, no. Let's yeah. see. They were, <laughs> they were a complete sieve on defense for um, – for at least the first half. And the Bengals did a lot of things in the second half. They just shot themselves in the foot, including on, you know, the pick six. I mean, good job bringing pressure. And 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 uh, I thought that um, Marcus Jones, um, I can't tell if he was just lucky or he did make a good play, but 
Uh, most other cornerbacks, like say Sean Wade, who was on the field for one snap and, and tripped his way to giving up a touchdown, um, again, if he was out there, he would have been about 30 yards behind Jamar Smith. So I give Jones credit for being there, and I don't know if he just if he if he read it right or what. But um, you know the the Bengals just kept making mistakes um, in the third quarter and into the fourth quarter, and then offensively they didn't get into Cincinnati Bengals territory until the final play of the third quarter, yeah. and the punter the punter dropped the snap. They missed two extra points and a field goal, mm-hmm. who used to be your MVP. So, yeah, no, things not going well. They have not improved. Well, and to your point, guys, and Jimmy, you said this pre-show too, it's kind of been that, that comeback was absolutely fool's gold. Like you had the pick six with they Marcus no Jones, chance. and then you also had you know the Hail Mary that brought you in there, in there too. And, and like Greg said as well, it's a situation where – you know, for so long, the Patriots always were that team that, you know what, even if they're not playing well, they're going to figure it out at the end, find a way to win these games. I just think the calling card of a bad team, by the way, is y'all always find a way to screw it up and lose those games. And that's exactly what happened uh, against the Bengals on Saturday. I just, I go back to Zoe mentioned it on the final call that we just played. We can't run a Hail Mary. And it was Kevin Majori, who's me today. And he noticed on the TV broadcast on the fourth and 10 delay of game right before the final play, Mac Jones yells at the sidelines, I don't know what to do. They can't line up for a Hail Mary. So this is a bigger question to you, Greg, because I think Mac and then Jones... You don't also forget that David Andrews sprinted a off of the dash, line yeah. like he was going to catch that pass. Yeah. But this this is my bigger question to you, Greg, is I didn't think Mac Jones played well in this game. You're wrong. You do. Yep, so I, I thought he know played why. really well. There you go. Go ahead. Oh, I mean, I just... Because we'll fight during three up, three down, because Mac Jones <laughs> is my number one down. Um, yeah, and he's in my he's in my uh, top three. Love it. Um, you know, I thought Mac uh, made... I thought he played probably his best game of the season. I did have to, uh, you know, deduct him for his 15-yard penalty, and also there was a delay of game penalty which you guys just mentioned i mean i put i always put that on the quarterback because they could see the play clock I don't you know, know it's up to them to i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> no one knows what they're doing i know um, i've watched this and uh but you know i thought i mean the throw to thornton that he dropped yeah. was was a dime he he had a nice throw against the to, to born 19 yards where he's about to get hit from behind makes that throw the 32 yarder to born i mean it he put it in a spot. I mean, the guy made a play. I mean, people were giving Bailey Zappi credit for jump balls to uh, Devontae Parker earlier in the season, so I give him credit for that. There was the touchdown to Bourne, which was a great throw and catch, and the 28-yarder to to to, uh, to Bourne as well. I thought he played. I thought he played really well, and you know the reason that the offense didn't go anywhere in the first half was not because of Mac Jones. It was because of their own ineptitude that guys are clanging into each other, running, you know, not doing the right things. And that's just, you know, par for the course for this offense. So the the throw to Thornton, when I think of Thornton, I think of the guy just runs down the field yep. and Mac Jones is supposed to hit him in stride. And it looked to me in real time yep. that Thornton slowed down and had to come back to the ball. So that would read to me that Mac Jones underthrew the ball. Uh, no, he that, that throw was fine. The problem with that was that as he is wont to do, and we can get into a whole Tyquan Thornton discussion at some point, and if you want. But he faded his route, like he got, he beat, and Mac Jones, he threw the ball before 
Thornton was even close to being by the cornerback. So, so he's he read to it. A spot there. So he's just throwing to a spot. Okay. He's giving his guy a chance to go get the ball. It's not going to be pinpoint, you know, walk in. And really, ideally, what you want to do if you're Thornton there is once you once you know you have the cornerback beaten, a veteran receiver now, you know, pipes gets on top of the cornerback so he can't get back into the play. Thornton didn't do that. And in fact, he did something even worse. He faded his route because he was really about three yards from the uh, about four yards from the sidelines when when he was open and then by the time he goes to catch the ball he's now a yard and a half Mm -hmm. where Mac threw it to the inside where he was going so to me and plus Thornton just straight out dropped the ball I mean it hit him in the hands you do have to catch it so yeah yeah, I mean that was a that was a great throw on a I think he threw it I want to say 54 yards in the air yeah something like that yeah all right, 617-779-0985, off and running on this big boy Tuesday. Uh, 617-779-0985, the telephone number, two open phone lines. Uh, more with Greg Bedard and your calls. After. It's time to recognize you, you sausage-loving genius. For without you, how would we know that Eckridge smoked sausage can be eaten thrice in one day and that you can take your lunch break before noon? Mm-hmm. Here's to you, Eckridge smoked sausage. You do you. For over 25 years, Boyer's Truck Equipment in Hudson, New Hampshire, has been serving the surrounding communities with truck needs of all kinds. Whether you need a spray-on bed liner, truck body, trailer, undercoating, van upfitting, snowplow, or any kind of truck accessories, Boyer's Truck Equipment is the only place to go. Located in tax-free New Hampshire, Boyer's will get you what you need when you need it. Don't trust your truck, van, or fleet to just anyone. Check out Equipment.com. That's Equipment.com. Do it today. It's Felger and Mass. Oh, I'm sorry. That's next door. It's being hit on the head lessons in here. 98.5, the sports hub. We usually go in on third downs. We have, you know, typically um, maybe a couple different options on the place, you know, depending on the coverage that we're going to see. And since he have, um, they have a couple different packages that they run, both versus a nickel defense and a dime defense. And really just, you know, when we went into that play, we had a really, you know, play that we practiced and thought that, you know, we had a couple good options on it. You know, I think we saw the play a little bit different on the field and kind of just kind of cleaned that up from that standpoint. Uh, certainly, I think those plays came up later in the game and we executed them well. I think third down this week actually was better than what it's been. Um, but I'm just talking about the design of the play. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's disastrous looking. And I'm yeah. sure you said the same thing on the sideline. You couldn't have been sure. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely something that, you know, you don't want to have happen during the game and, you know, you got to get it fixed. And, um, you know, what happens on third down, I would say a lot of times is uh, third down is the one down where it's very specific based on the defensive packages that come in. You know, the coverages change. A lot of times on early downs, you'll get a lot of zone coverage. You'll get maybe one particular man coverage. Um, and Lou does a good job with his defense and, um, you know, has a lot of similarities to our defense and some of the coverages that they run and the pressures. You know, we got to do a better job of recognizing those and then going out and uh, executing it when they come up. Absolutely. All right, that was Patriots play caller, Matt, offensive play caller, Matt Patricia. Clean up. On uh, There's only two games left, Tim. On the play where uh, John o. Smith turned into Rodney Harrison and uh, ended uh, Hunter Henry's day. What'd you make of that third down? By the way, so I don't know if, you saw, if you've saw you seen this video of Dan Orlovsky breaking yeah. down the first two third downs. Makes a great point, by the way. Like, at that point in the game, aren't these the plays that you're supposed to be going into that game just feeling unbelievable about? Like, hey, we've practiced this. We feel great about this spot. And then to have your two... 
high-paid tight ends run into each other on that first third and six? I, like, how does that happen? Uh, they're not being coached well enough. I also think it goes back to the summer when they just wasted five weeks working on an offense that no one could do that wasn't going to be successful here, and maybe they should have spent a little bit more time. And this was sort of the 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 give and take between Belichick and some of the offensive coaches you know in previous years where you know Bill has wanted to incorporate more and more of the like Shanahan system because he knows how 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 difficult it is for a defense to defend yeah but you know some of the coaches some of the veteran coaches on the offense was would push back a little bit and be like you know I don't know if we can really run this bill like you know is it shouldn't we spend our time getting better at what we do and that would win out, but all those guys are gone now, and so all the all Bill gets is sure, sure, Bill, whatever you want, Bill, yeah, okay, okay. But um, you know, it's just it, it's just I, I I think it's I think it's coaching. I just don't think it's good enough um, from top to bottom. And here I'll give you an example. And this this is this drove me crazy. So this was in the second quarter, and probably one of the most frustrating things about watching this offense this year is the passing offense, is how the wide receivers, and this goes to the running backs and tight ends as well, these guys just think they have all freaking day to run their routes. Mm -hmm. Like there's not a pass rush coming. Like the passing offense isn't completely, it's supposed to be tightly scripted from the steps in the drop back, the steps in the route, when you're turning, when guys are available. There's guys all the time, Ramondre Stevenson, like, turns around after like four and a half seconds. Like he's going like, to like Mac Jones right. is really not going to be flat on his back at this point. So there's a first and 10 second quarter, 13, 21 left. They had just made a first down after uh, Johnny Smith barreled ahead, caught a short pass, barreled ahead for nine. Uh, Harris went for three yards. They have a first down. So they bring in their heavy package. Yep. Kajus comes in. They're signaling to the defense, we are going to run. They're going to get a little bit downhill. They they know that the Patriots are going heavy here. Here we go. What do the Patriots do? I give Matt Patricia credit. He calls a play-action pass. Mac Jones gives a good run action, okay? And this is a typical Patriots play. It's been run for years. I've seen this run, been run a million different times. And so what's going to happen? This is their bang-action play. Play-action, Jacoby Myers is supposed to go up, do an in-cut. He should be open, okay? But but what happens on this play? Jacoby Myers comes off the line, gives a hop step, okay? Then he's not done yet. Then he gets to the top of his route, and he gives another few moves. And then, Mac. meanwhile, Mac Jones is waiting for him the entire time to turn around because he's open. And instead, Jacoby Myers is just dancing around, doing whatever he wants to do. Like he has all freaking day. And by the time Mac Jones eludes the rush a little bit, Jacoby Myers cuts across, there's a high pass. And I'm sure people like, uh, you know, our resident genius over here is probably like, oh, that was a bad throw from Mac Jones. I had that as a negative play. I'm sure you did. (laughs) But that's not the way the play's supposed to be run. The receiver ran the the route wrong. That's not the timing of it. From Rob Gronkowski to Dion Branch to all these different people, Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, it's you got it. There's a timing to the play. He comes out of his play fake, boom, the ball should be out. Instead, Jacoby Myers is dancing all over the place. To me, that's bad coaching. By this point, those guys, if I'm watching it get mad, those guys should be yelling at those receivers. 
Bill should be seeing in the film room in front of the team. Yeah, Jacoby, we got all day for you to wait, run whatever route you want to run. Like we're not running a professional passing offense here. I don't think any of that stuff goes on from the position coaches. You know, Troy Brown, great guy, great receiver. I don't know if he can be a, if he's a coach. Judging off of this year, he's not much of one. Well, that goes to one of my questions: is how many guys on this coaching staff would get uh, a coaching job on another staff with the position that they currently have under Bill Belichick? Not many. Two, like Gerard Mayo. Mayo for sure. Nick Kelly. Um, I think Pellegrino's done a good job. Um, at cornerbacks, uh, Kaylee probably he's been here long enough. Even though there have been tight end issues, but I think that's more with the offense. Would Steve Belichick get a job somewhere else? I, not he would. He would it, it, at the least he would not have risen to where he's risen. Where he's at? Yeah. At this, not this quickly. There's no way. Um, you know, and a lot of other coaches like Kyle Shanahan went. You know, worked for other people right. on purpose. Yeah. Then came back to his dad. Yeah. You know, it, the Belichicks haven't done it that way. There's a lot of guys. You know, Greg Williams, when he was a defense court, his his son was always on staff. Everywhere he went, it was part of his deal. Um, everybody does it a different way. So, you know, I, I don't know what the deal is. But, you know, your your question, um, you know, Sunseri, was he ready to take over for Ivan Fears, who's one of the best coaches here ever? Um, probably not after being a, like one year. I mean, there's a lot of guys on the staff where I'm just like, they, they weren't ready. And you can't just use it as an excuse. Whoa, well, they got raided and they this and that. Like, that's A, that doesn't need to be the case. A lot of these guys, from the front office to the coaching staff, I have been hearing from these guys for years about how they they couldn't wait to leave. They wanted their contracts to run out. They wanted to leave. Low pay, Bill's not giving titles, I'm not getting promoted, I'm blocked by his son or this or that. That goes on. And then also, you need to get things ready. Earlier in his career, when Bill was only about winning and about this team and he was consumed by that, Charlie Weiss is getting ready to leave. Guess what? Josh McDaniels was at his hip for a couple years. Yeah. Then he slides into the role. Bill O'Brien was right behind Josh McDaniels. So when he got his job, Bill O'Brien was ready. You know, that went on on defense. Romeo Cornell, Eric Mangini. Yep. Then that just stopped. Everything just stopped. About five or six years ago, Bill stopped giving a crap about the future, and he just cared about the present. And that led to the roster going downhill, the coaching staff going downhill, the front office as well. Like, it, it, Bill Belichick is not a victim of circumstance. The guy who controls everything, who looks three, five years down the road, sees everything better than anybody in his career, all of a sudden now is the victim of circumstance? It's a bunch of bull crap. Ironically, Bill Belichick has turned into Bill Parcells at the end. Year-to-year yeah. -year coaching. Well, Mike Sandow over at The Athletic uh, wrote a piece on it and had an AFC East um, uh, executive uh, say this. This was the quote that he had uh, regarding the Patriots. Um, what changes is coaching up young coaches. It's a pain in the ass to go back and teach somebody the way to do everything. And so you carry coaches on your staff sometimes because they mimic that message he wants about culture or whatever, not necessarily because they're the best coaches or the best fits. That explains why Belichick would install Matt Patricia and Joe Judge's offensive coaches, despite neither being experienced in that area. Both had experience with Belichick. And it just feels like you've seen that kind of across this coaching staff as a whole, which, again, is that the best thing possible for the team? No, but it makes your life easier if you're Bill Belichick. Well, and, and both those guys are going to be loyal to Bill 
and they don't cost Bill any money. Yeah, because they're being paid by other teams. Did, did, who wrote that? Mike Sandow over at the at the Athletic. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's you know it's fair and it's you know it reflects what a lot of people think is is going on here. I mean it'll be interesting to see what happens as far as the staff. I just don't. You know, Bill is one of these guys, and it's how you know you ended up with the McDaniel's Colts mess. He, I, I'm, I can, I'm willing to bet a lot of money that Belichick hasn't talked to Bill O'Brien since the Alabama pro day, um, and that Bill hasn't given. Well, he's maybe he's given some thought privately, but I don't think he's discussed next year the offensive coaching situation with anybody. So, I mean, a lot of people are trying to connect dots, including, you know, us and me. But um, nobody knows what's going to happen once the season ends as far as next year. I mean, you know, could people, some people be working behind the scenes, especially ownership, to ensure that Bill O'Brien is an option for them once the season ends? Yeah, that's that's possible. Um, but I still, I, I don't think anything's definite. I wouldn't be banking on anything quite yet. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> All right, let's go to uh, Walter in the car. I want to sneak in before Hub Headlines because he's got a question that I think a lot of people around here have. What's up, Walter? Walter. All right, Taco. Try to keep them all under control here. I know it's an impossible task. <laughs> Just go with your take. He's talking to somebody else. Oh, I think I left. All right, there we go. He's gone. All right, here's the comments that line was, uh, was a comment on Bourne. No, no, good yeah. start. Good yeah. start. Uh, comment line was Kendrick Bourne. Why? Why is he not playing? <laughs> why does Why does he get 11 snaps against the Raiders, and then you see what he does against uh, the Bengals? It's petty bullcrap with the coaches. I mean, it just is. And and you know, look, somebody explained it to me that like you know Kendrick Bourne had to be coached really hard. He he learns a certain way. Um, you know he needs a lot of he needs extra reps on the practice field. He needs extra attention in the film room. I don't I don't know what they're doing with him, but you know I think Mick Lombardi and and Josh McDaniels. I thought they they did a good job. I mean he had to be brought along slowly last year. It really mm-hmm. wasn't until the second half that he got it, and he needed a lot of you know hand holding in a new scheme and things like that. And um, you know I I don't know if he's he's not willing to do it. You know there was the thing with Bill in training camp with one of the refs kicked him off the field and uh, for not having the right equipment and that you know ticked off Bill. The stuff he said in the off season, um, you know I I just think there's there's some petty stuff going going on with Kendrick. I think they can they can't take some things out on other people, but so they take it out on who they can and they decided to do it on Kendrick Bourne. I think that was a massive mistake and I think playing Tyquan Thornton as much as they're playing him is not doing him any favors. He should be a 12 to 12 to 20 snap, depending on how many passes they have in a game sort of player at this point, because he obviously doesn't know enough yep. to execute the offense. He, there, there are plays where he is just, he's in the way and he's bringing, he's bringing defense into places where there should, where Mac Jones is looking for a receiver where he looks at the, the defense and says, all right, this is going to be open to me. And it's not because guess what? Tyquan Thornton's there and he doesn't have the right spacing. Well, he's a rookie. He doesn't know enough. I don't blame him. And I'm not saying he's he's a bust or anything like that. I don't judge these guys. G- give them three years, good or bad. Like, let's see what happens. But um, they are playing him way too much and they don't need to. They have Kendrick Bourne. Mac Jones likes him. 
They have a rapport, obviously, and that was a huge mistake that they played Tyquan Thornton more than Kendrick Bourne. But, of course, this is the same outfit that tried to convince you that they needed LJ Humphrey on the field to run the ball earlier in the season. Good blocker. All right, Felger and Maz, no Felger, no Maz, no Big Jim. It's Tim McCone and Jimmy Stewart in for the guys. Greg Bedard, three up, three down, coming up next after Hub Headlines. It's time to recognize you, you sausage-loving genius. For without you, how would we know that Eckridge smoked sausage can be eaten thrice in one day and that you can take your lunch break before noon? Mm-hmm. Here's to you, Eckridge smoked sausage. You do you. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread Packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. They're Boston's number one afternoon radio program for a reason. It's always stupid with the person. It's Felger and Mass, 98.5 The Sports Hub. And now, it's time for three up. Touchdown, Patriots! Two big throws on this drive by Mac Jones, your quarterback. What a throw on the skinny. I'll take more of this, please. Three down. Put a jacket on him. He don't want to be out here. Sit him down. With Greg Bedard from bostonsportsjournal.com. Three up. I know you're very results-oriented. I get that. Three down. It's a fail all around. Fail, fail, fail. On Felger and Mass on 98.5 The Sports Hub. All right, time now for three up, three down with Greg Bedard, presented by Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. Enjoy the game with a triple distilled, triple cask, matured, and triple blended Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. When it's game time, it's Tully time. Please drink responsibly. We got a bonus three up, three down from Jimmy Stewart. So we'll start with you, Greg, and we'll start with uh, your first up. Kendrick Bourne. I thought he was dynamite, dynamic, playmaker. Hmm. Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine playing guys like that. Hmm. Okay. Uh, well, this I, offense has so many weapons, Greg. You know what I mean? It's just it's hard to spread the ball around. You know, there's you got so many mouths to feed. Yeah. What do you got, Jimmy? Uh, Marcus Jones was my number one up. Uh, the pick six, the 15-yard swing pass. I thought he was electric in this game. Greg? He was not on either of us, and he was more of a threat for three down. Uh, Matthew Judon. I thought he was really good. Uh, I had the Patriots only for eight quarterback pressures in this game. That's 13.8%. He had almost half of them, and... You know, the fumble play was, you know, really good to begin with, just the physical play. Yeah. But he he made an adjustment before the play. He signaled to Marcus Jones that he was going to drop into the flat, that he read it. And, you know, you put those two things together, that's uh, that's a dynamite play by Matthew Judon. And, and he was really the one, really the one playmaker on defense in this game. Jimmy? I had Kendrick Bourne as my number two up, and I had Matthew Judon as my number three up. All right, Greg, close out the uh, three up then. Mac Jones. I thought oh. he was uh I thought he was tremendous in this game. It wasn't perfect and he wasn't perfect and you know, that's kind of what you get in this offense, but uh I thought he threw the ball um really well. I thought I think that they have it looks to me that they have given him a little bit more controls. You see him doing a lot more motioning as far as changing routes. Of course, that means that um people have to actually look 
at the signals when he's giving them and actually run them. I know that's asking a lot. For Wasn't this it on offense. that second, third down too, mm-hmm. where they missed that? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think it was Jacoby Myers. Um, because all of a sudden he's just screaming down the field and the other two guys, even Tyquan Thornton got that right. Um, where he, it looked like he was going to block that Myers was going to go behind, catch it and try to pick up the first down. Uh, it looks like they're giving him a lot more controls. Unfortunately, they are not giving any more controls to David Andrews in the offensive line, which has been one of my big criticisms this year because a lot of the pressures, the late pressures, the corner blitzes that the Bengals caught the Patriots on, they easily could have adjusted for that. Mac Jones can handle that. It's what's been done here for years, but not this year. They just keep going and give up pressure that they don't need to. All right, time for three down. Greg, your first down. Tyquan Thornton, uh, you know, dropped a, a a play that could have changed the game yep. if not scored on. Um, he has big route issues, multiple route issues in every game, and you know, he just it's it's not good enough. Jimmy, Matt Jones, he underthrew the ball to Thornton. Uh, um, I had him for ten bad plays, ten negative plays, including throwing into double coverage, throwing short of first downs. Like, I've got them all listed You mean here. the double coverage that he completed to Kendrick Bourne? No, no, not that one. Okay. But there are others. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's throwing it deep with three Bengals around him. Um, he's that overthrowing to he's throw, he's overthrowing to Thornton. There was a defensive holding call, so I guess that doesn't count. No. Um, you know, there was the, the one to Apple. I mean, it's like Apple knew where the play was coming. No, mm-hmm. it was, I don't know. That could have been one of their quick game design, okay. quick games. Quickly, we'll get into more Mac Jones coming up in the uh, the three o'clock hour. I mean, there was a play where Jones threw it and Bourne was covered, and he just pulled the defender down. Uh, Mac Jones, thirty. What is oh, he a dirty, dirty player? I thought you said thirty. Yeah, uh, dirty, <laughs> filthy um, player. Yeah, a little bit. You know, yeah, he's he's got a little bit of that in him, and you know, it is what it is. I wish the the coach's film cut off before we got to see uh what he got his personal foul f- for and i don't you I, I didn't see it in the stadium i don't it wasn't on the tv copy so unfortunately it cut off before that because i really want because it, it was way after the play way after the play and multiple flags come out too yeah. so it had to be pretty egregious where multiple like again multiple refs saw that go down but i'm with you I, yeah. i'd like to know what he actually second did effort trying to get that fumble back if there are any tv guys out there with um with with copies of yeah, their we'll film my guys Come in on, let's go. Yeah, yeah we'll make some Get calls the NFL, people film. Going. Uh, nfl films photographer yeah i'm sure they're gonna give that yeah. up <laughs> jimmy who's your uh who's your number two down uh miles bryant i thought he'd be he got beat on a number of plays Irwin beat him uh just fourth play of the game bryant is going for an elbow smash to punch out the football instead of trying to tackle him to prevent the touchdown and maybe it's a matter of whatever but miles bryant i thought had a terrible game Ramondre stevenson I mean, you know, the fumble. He had a fumble earlier in the game where yeah. it, you know, it. He was. Ba- I don't think anybody hit it. I think it just squeezed out of his arm. Um, I didn't think he had a particular, you know, great game. He 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 also blew a blitz pickup. Um, you know, I don't think the blocking was there. The Bengals are good, and the Patriots kind of got owned up front in this game. But um, you know, you factor in the fumble it was not a good game for him. Uh, Jimmy, your final down. Uh, Stevens is my final third. But I want to put the coaching staff on this. They're unprepared. They're, they're halftime. They run a play. They take a timeout. They take a knee. And Bill says, oh, I just wanted to get a look. Like, very inconsistent. They had substitution issues that are costing them timeouts. There's 10 penalties in the game. Like, do we want to blame Trent Brown, who's got 10 penalties alone this year? Maybe like 12. Oh, it's up to 12. <laughs> yeah. Lovely. Your final down, Greg. Uh, Cole Strange. 
Uh, it wasn't horrendous. It had the potential to be really bad in this game with DJ Reader on the other side. Um, but, you know, it wasn't good. And there, he, he always seems to come up a little bit short and like crucial plays, like third and one, goal line. Like he just doesn't judge his angles very well. And, and I think, he, you know, he, he was uh, by far the worst on the offensive line. What's your overall take on the season that he's had so far? I think, you know, a lot like Thornton, it's a rookie. I'm not, I, I don't get too hot and bothered one way or the other, you know, off of what they do as rookies. He was inserted there. Um, you know, we talked about it from the early going. My worry about him this year was, you know, he's a little light in the lower body and he was going to have a tougher time against the bigger defensive tackles in this league. And that's pretty much held up, um, you know, against the bigger, stronger guys. He has a tough time, but I, I the, the pieces are certainly there. For, for a very good offensive lineman, and he just needs a real coach and a real offseason. That's what I was going to ask. If if Cole Strange had Skarnakia or one of the elite offensive lineman. He line might be coaches, going to the Pro Bowl. <laughs> Great. Is. Yep. 617-779-0985. Let's sneak in uh, one phone call here before we, uh, we go to break. Let's talk to uh, Nate. Nate, what's up? Hey, Greg. Um, love your analysis. Thank you so much. I have a question about the... Um, the, the execution on the field doesn't seem to be matching the coaching. And you mentioned this, and I think this was mentioned in the article in The Atlantic as well. But my question is, whose responsibility is it to get players to execute better on the field? Is it Bill during the week, or is it position coaches? And what goes on like in Foxborough during the week to help these players make these um, season-like adjustments so this doesn't feel like one long training camp session this season? Thanks. You know, Nate, um, thanks. And, you know, it's a great question. Um, I don't think there's a simple answer to it. You know, I will tell you that at certain points this season, including this game, you know, when they come out and they are just failures in all, in all three phases, sometimes I wonder, are they practicing? Did they practice this week? What did they do at practice? Because this is not like you talked about earlier about, you know, how they get stronger at the end of the season. And they did that's gone it's been it's been years since you know brady's final year in yeah. 2019 they went two and four down the stretch yep you know and, and they they went from the afc's top seed to getting you know worked pretty good by the titans uh at home in the first round um I, as far as responsibility i guess i would say this um bill's ultimately responsible he would say that i He's agree with coach. that he someone has to coach the coaches and I think this is an area where you could say, is Bill doing that as hard or as often as he used to? I mean, because, you know, basically what happens is they all review the film, they grade it out, and, and you know, the head coach will say, like, look, this isn't good enough. This needs to get better, and this is how we're going to do it. And then, then it's up to the position coaches to go disseminate that and teach it on the field. But, you know, I, I just don't know if Bill is – on top of things the way that he used to be as far as the product on the field it would lead you to say no so that's where that's where it ends for me all right 617-779-0985 the telephone number it's tim mccone jimmy stewart greg bedard here with you on this tuesday your phone calls after this come it's time to recognize you you sausage loving genius for without you how would we know that eckridge smoked sausage can be eaten thrice in one day and that you can take your lunch break before noon Here's to you, Eckridge Smoked Sausage. You do you. If you could put all the wonders of the world into one place, 
you'd end up with something very much like Key Largo. Key Largo is the gateway to the Keys and the launching point for the untamed Florida Everglades. In fact, from snorkeling our living coral reef to fly fishing the Everglades backcountry, Key Largo offers the best of both worlds. For more about Key Largo, visit flakeys.com slash Key Largo. What do Felger and Mass think of Felger and Mass? The sin, the crime, the mistake. It's not even funny. It's Felger and Mass on 98.5 The Sports Zone. It just bothers me. With the Broncos job being open, um, you know, I know you interviewed there last year. Is being a head coach still something that, that's on your radar? I know you said in the past that you'd like to do that, and so I just kind of wanted to get you on record. Yeah, that's that's never changed. You know, I think I'm ready to be a head coach in the league. Um, but, you know, I have to say this too. Right now, all my focus is on is being here at the Patriots, but that's definitely still a goal. All right, that was uh, Cam Accord earlier this morning. No, that was Gerard Mayo. <laughs> it was Gerard Mayo on his potential, uh, the potential opening, or not the potential, no, but Mayo's the opening. Mayo's a good coach. Mayo's a good coach. We like Mayo. With the Denver Broncos. Uh, Bedard, do you think that's a, a real possibility for him? Denver? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure he'll be considered. I'm sure he'll get an interview again. Uh, I don't know how likely it is. I mean, so new ownership group. I mean, same GM. Uh, George Payton, who um, I go back a ways with, to, back to the Dolphins, and then he worked for Spielman with the Vikings. Um, look, if I'm a GM, I'm looking for compatibility. I'm sure he learned uh, from this hire how much of a mistake it was, and maybe it was a little bit rushed. Um, you know, if he, that's a strong GM franchise, at least it is right now, the way it's aligned. So, I. <laughs> He knows he's not going to get another hire, so I would think that he might go back more towards you know what he knows, the Vikings and things like that. Just to, he can't get this one wrong. Yeah, and I feel like for this position too, like you're walking in there as the head coach, and isn't isn't it all about Russell Wilson and trying to f- make the most of that situation? You kind of push your chips at the table when it comes to Wilson as your quarterback. Don't you want a head coach that has a shot in terms of just turning yeah, that I mean, around and make, making sure that that's salvageable? Sean yeah, and plus you're dealing – that's what I was going to say. You're dealing with the Waltons. I mean, it's an unlimited yeah. bank account. And so nice. you're not yeah, you're not constrained by anything. So if I'm George Payton and you just screwed up, you're, if you, you traded for Russell Wilson and then you hired a guy who doesn't even last his full season – like, dude, this is it. So you better knock it out of the park. And if I'm him, I'm I'm backing up the Brinks truck for Sean Payton. Of course, they're going to have to give compensation to the Saints. So the Broncos might have a first or second round pick in like 2026 at this rate. Just what a disaster of a trade that was for Russell Wilson. <laughs> what a All-time worst terrible. history. Duggar was in favor of it. <laughs> of course he was. Can I just, yes. Greg, where would Gerard Mayo fit as a head coach? Around so the uh, what are the openings? So Carolina... You got Carolina, um, Indy, and Denver right now. I I think it could be a possibility for Carolina, even though, you know, I think Tepper is, um, you know, he's in love with headlines and, and you know, kind of wants to – he loves to be in the news. He loves to be the center of attention. Uh, you know, I did some background work on him back in the day when he was about to become Panthers owner. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's tough sledding for – an NFL uh, for a defensive guy to get a head coaching job. Sala did, but 
you know, he, he was always on TV and mm-hmm. they had really good defenses and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, even though you look at it and you, you can make the case that still to this day that a lot of defensive guys who get their chance are good head coaches. But um, I think that's, you know, a lot of people, when Gerard Mayo goes in there, and this is part of the issue with New England, and they'll be like, so what exactly do you do there? Because you're not on television calling the signals. It's Steve Belichick that's doing it. You know, even though you talk to people and they'll be like, well, Gerard, you know, he runs the meetings. He's he's the brains behind the operation. Well, you know, why doesn't Bill do him a solid? Like, you know, what's the deal there? So that's my – I he definitely wants to leave. He definitely wants – he would love a head coaching job, but I think he's also to the point where, like, dude, like Steve's never going to leave. It's not like he's going anywhere, and if Bill stays here, how am I going to call my defense? How am I going to run my own shop? You know, if I'm if I'm Mayo, I'm trying to get out. First first offer I get, defensive coordinator, what have you. All right, 617-779-0985. Let's uh, sneak in a, f- a couple phone calls here before we'll have headlines. Let's go to uh, Charlie in Watertown. Charlie. Hey, guys. Hey, Greg. Great great analysis. Really like, Thanks, like what you had. Um, so thank you for that. Really enjoy it. Hey, uh, just real quick on, on, on mail before I get to Bill O'Brien. I, I think you touched on it, Greg. I don't think, you know, teams are, are going to likely hire a defensive guy as a head coach, especially nowadays. So I think, and I think he does need to be a defensive coordinator with the title somewhere else before he gets that next head coaching job. But with regards to Bill O'Brien, I don't think people are talking enough that Bill O'Brien really wants to come back here. I mean, he's going to want a head coaching job, I would suspect. And, and the other thing, too, is does he really want to come back to work under Bill? And then the other thing is, is does Bill really want Bill O'Brien sort of breathing down his neck as, as, a, as a potential um, you know, successor to Bill? So I don't really see O'Brien coming back, and I was interested in kind of hearing what your thoughts are because I think too many people think it's a fait accompli that he's going to be like running back to Foxborough. I don't see it that way. Charlie, all valid points. Um, you know, your last one I, I will take issue with, and I know it's, you know, one that Felger loves to bring up, and and I Gasper does as well about, like, you know, does Bill really want to bring in a guy? Like, I, first of all, Bill's not concerned about that. If, if he's concerned about anything in that realm, it's, you know, Bill, ideally, and part of the reason why he did this whole Matt Patricia thing is because I think he wanted Matt Patricia to, to succeed him as head coach, it's why he gave him the front office. It's why now he let him touch the quarterback, so he could basically go to the crafts, or, or Bill could go to the crafts and say, "Look, this guy does exactly what I do." You know, he could just slip in seamlessly. It also keeps the Belichick industrial complex that is the ecosystem you know, in place. Yes, that's been there for twenty five years, just about. Where people have people have. They've been there so long in their jobs and things like that. They put, you know, their, their kids through college and now with their grandkids because of Bill's success. And Bill, they owe a lot to Bill. And in terms of his kids, Nantucket, Bill's Bill having some sway over an org- organization, all that stays in place if one of Bill's guys gets promoted. And I've been told that is not happening. Like right now, it can't happen. Well, no, I mean suck. the only way yeah. that happens, the only way that Bill can can, the only way that happens is if Bill builds this up so much that they they bring it back. He leaves on top, like Super Bowl title. There's no way the crafts at that point are going to change stream. There's yeah. just not. But I think we all think that's remote. As far as O'Brien, his chances of coming back here, I agree with Charlie. I do not think 
uh, it's as in the bank as everybody wants it to believe. I talked to somebody who is close to Bill um, recently, and there's a lot of other considerations that are going on for Bill. And yes, one of them is, you know, he wants to be a head coach. I think he sh- thinks he should get uh, interviewed for Denver and Carolina and these jobs. And I think he should. I think he's a good coach. You know, there were a lot of issues in Houston that would weren't of his making, including the personnel power. He never wanted that. You know, that was just sort of given to him. And there's a whole different story to that. Um, but I, I think that there are also family considerations going on and maybe, you know, coming back home. You know, he's been away from his family for like two years. You know, and what's best for his family and his kids and stuff like that. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe he decides I want to re-up at Alabama. It's possible. Um, you know, I know the sky falling's down there because they lost two games on the last, the last play of the play. game. Right. Twice. You know, so God, yeah, I mean, it's Bill O'Brien's fault, even though I think they were the sixth best scoring offense in the country. Um, so it's not a done deal. There are a lot of considerations that goes on. I think that Bill Billy would be open to working under Bill, but what's it look like? Is he going to get autonomy like Josh got? Yeah. You know, what's the deal? Is he going to make is he going to make Bill O'Brien make Matt Patricia the quarterback's coach or Ugh. keep Joe Judge's quarterback's coach? Ugh. You know, there's a lot of considerations that go on, but again, I, like I said earlier, I don't think any of those conversations have come close to taking place at least on the bill to bill level. And it won't until Alabama's done. And the Patriots are done. I know we got to do headlines, but quickly here in like 30 seconds. Yep. Do you think there's a real chance that they could look at everything that's gone on with the offensive side of the ball and say, you know what? Let's run it back. <laughs> uh, yes, I do. I mean, just because, you know, Bill is 70 and he's stubborn and, you know, he belie- he doesn't want to admit that he's wrong. And, you know, he's looking for some signs, maybe like the second half against the Bengals and maybe that rolls against the Dolphins. And, you know, who knows what happens? And, you know, especially if they grab a playoff spot and say they find a way to upset somebody. Yeah. You know, now when it comes to that post game time, hey, Robert, I gave you your playoff victory. Oh. Shut up. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. So All there right. we go. Terrible. 617-779-0985. Right back to the phones after Hub Headlines. Football season is here. So if you're looking for a place to stop before the game or for your next viewing party, check out the team at Apotha Therapeutics in Plainville. They have the lowest prices and the best variety of cannabis products in the area. Your customer-friendly shopping experience begins as soon as you step into their clean, beautiful, modern store. You'll be greeted by a knowledgeable staff who will educate you on their full line of cannabis products. And unlike other dispensaries, all prices include taxes. So what you see is what you pay. Apotha Therapeutics is less than 10 minutes from Gillette Stadium. So make them part of your game day festivities. Visit Apothotherapeutics today, 119 Washington Street, Route 1 in Plainville. This consumer responsibly. This product may cause impairment and may be habit forming. There may be health risks associated with consumption of this product. This product has not been analyzed or approved by the Food and Drug Administration. There is limited information on the side effects of using this product, and there may be associated health risks. Marijuana use during pregnancy and breastfeeding may pose potential harms. It is against the law to drive or operate machinery when under the influence of this product. Keep this product away from children. There may be health risks associated with the consumption of this product. Marijuana can impair concentration, coordination, and judgment. The impairment effects of edible marijuana may be delayed by two hours or more. In case of accidental ingestion, contact poison control hotline at one 800 or 911. This product may be illegal outside of Massachusetts. Massachusetts State License Number MR282388.